Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. You're tuned in listening to the Cinematic Odyssey here on United to the Moose. We are here, Max and I, we're going to be talking about uh, Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love. However, we must announce it is our big 5-0, our 50th episode here Woo! on the Cinematic Odyssey. You know, you got air horns blaring in the background yeah, and uh, fireworks. <laughs> uh, pretty big, pretty big milestone. Um, halfway to 100. We done did it. The Cinematic Odyssey has reached a midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to f- close. <laughs> this is it. This is our final episode. Yeah, we're actually we're actually uh, making a brand new tack. We've decided that this is the time to change in our lives. So the next ten episodes will all be surf movies, um, starting out with Point Break, uh, and then um, Happy Feet, and then what's that other one with the penguins? Surfs up. up. Yeah, yeah. we're going to go with Surfs up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, what's that one about that Hawaiian? girl that got bitten by a shark oh a uh, soul surfer yeah soul surfer <laughs> <laughs> we've decided to take up a new hobby of surfing surfing movies <laughs> yeah also um we're gonna be talking about uh about chasing mavericks that movie too <laughs> yeah i've heard that's a classic amongst the community <laughs> God, there's a lot of surfing movies out. What the heck? I know. Yeah, there is a lot. Those are the only ones I can think of. Me too. But anyways, Big Five O. Thank you, thank you, everyone, for listening and sticking with us for all this time for a year. Um, and uh, yeah, we really appreciate everybody that tunes in, tunes in every week. Uh, listens to us. You know, listening to us kind of ramble on about films, uh, <laughs> even though we've made more of an effort recently uh, to be more structured. Um, so I hope you guys have been uh, noticing that. Um, if not, then there's a you got to be better. But uh, aside from that, uh, everything. You know, it's always it's always great to come here every week, talk about uh, great movies, um, and on to a successful year two of the Cinematic Odyssey as we ever so closely get to the elusive number one hundred. Bum bum bum. But yeah, um, but onto the, onto the task at hand in the mood for love. Uh, we have talked about Wong Kar Wai before on the show. Uh, that was for his film Fallen Angels, and we both loved it. Um, oh yeah, that was a film that was super stylistic, very lonely, um, and. 
but also like very moving. It's a very moving film. Um, it's not just it's not like the prototypical all style, no substance. There is a lot of style, and I think there is a lot of substance in it. Uh, and same is for this one, uh, In the Mood for Love, which came out in 2000. So this was a couple of years after Fallen Angels, or five years to be exact. Um, but even before this was made, Wong Kar Wai, uh, the initial uh, idea for this film was to be like a musical of some sort. Uh, the film was supposed to be called Summer in Beijing. And it was going to have the same two lead actors, you know, Tony Leung and then Maggie Cheung uh, to be stars in the film. However, obviously that that didn't end up happening. Um, And then he and then we I guess it kind of transpired into what we have today, um, given. Given the, I think there was difficulties with shooting in, because he wanted to shoot in Tiananmen Square. He wanted to shoot the film in that location, but I don't think there was any way that he was going to be able to get permits to shoot there. Um, Especially since he's filming in 2000, after the, you know... Incident that didn't happen 10 years earlier. Yeah, yeah, the famous... The famous nineteen eighty nine. What happened that? What happened in that year? Oh, I forget. It was a. I believe it was a massacre by the Chinese government. Um, yes, that is. <laughs> that is what happened. The picture of the the gentleman standing in front of the tanks. Yes. Yes. Um. But yeah, and then well, I mean, he he is a Hong Kong filmmaker. He is from Hong Kong, so that's kind of where his stories typically take place although i do know that um one of his other films happy together that takes place in argentina so not in hong kong Hmm. Um, but as far as the ones that i've seen because i've only seen three of them so you know in the mood for love chunking express and fallen angels they all take place in hong kong um this one in the mood for love is this probably is most critically acclaimed. Although I guess you could kind of say that for uh uh like you could make the argument that Chunking Express is also his most critically acclaimed film. Although let's just say for the sake of argument, I mean because we are all, we are also talking about in the mood for love. Let's just say in the mood for love is his most critically acclaimed and most famous film uh that he's made. I actually watched it a couple of years ago, and I don't know. It didn't really click with me, um, and I was hoping the second time around that would change. Um, did it? And I don't know if it did. I don't know if it did. Ooh. Which makes me sad because I really, really want to love this film. And I can see, can see all the, all the praise for it. I mean, there's a couple of reviews that I read, and I can see like the points that they're making that are just you know it's spot on. But I just don't, I don't know, I don't really feel 
I don't have the same uh, kind of emotional reaction to this film that I do with Fallen Angels. Um, you know, and and I think also, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like I'm too young, or I just am expecting something different. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm I'm hoping that you know one of these days when I rewatch it in a few years, I'll like it more, and then a few years later. I'll watch it again, and I'm like, okay, I can see the genius in this, but I don't know. It, it it's there's something about it, and I, I'll get into that. But uh, what did what did you what did you? Think? I mean, I'm on a similar page as you, in that I didn't like it as much as I did Fallen Angels. Um. Just because I think that Fallen Angels is so much more poetic, and there's so much more room for that, the beautiful, beautiful dialogue and narration in that film, and 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 I I I, I ate that up. I loved it. It was great. Uh, in, in this one, there's not as much. Um, it's it's I think it, it's definitely more of a thinking piece, considering. Wong Kar Wai is so specifically surgical with his dialogue in that you are given just enough to understand what's going on and hopefully the visuals are tying in with uh to demonstrate everything like he doesn't he's he's a very efficient filmmaker there's not a wasted word there's not a wasted shot it's all purposeful and reasonable, and I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, it didn't click for most of it. There was a lot of, you know, really, it was going over my head for most of this. The implications, the implied, I'm like, oh, that's a weird coincidence. Oh, that's another weird coincidence. You know, how many rooms are in this room? I mean that was that was what I was considering for the, uh, the variety segment later on. How many rooms are in this room? What does the layout of um Mrs. Soon's apartment look like? Because I it it I I was confused and hung up on that for a while. But the last like 25 minutes or so are spectacular, I think. Because and I think the fa- it's a different type of love than is showcased in Fallen Angels. Fallen Angels is specifically loneliness and support, and who do we have to turn back to um, when we have no one else? Um, like, when it's the middle of the night, who do we go to see? What do we go to do? What do we dwell on? Do we dwell on the video of our father? Do we go and do one more... Um, hit job do we hope to run into the same flight attendant time after time after time this one is one that's mostly only focused around two people and they're probably meant for each other and it's probably 
the closest they'll ever get to 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 love. Considering, spoiler alert, their spouses are cheating on them with each other. But it's all those missed connections. It's all those missed signs. It's all those chances that they had to go see each other and and be the one to um stand up and say I stand for this love, I stand for you. I do care about you. Be having the courage to say it out loud. And the problem in this is that neither of the the main characters do. Mrs. Chan or Mr. Chow, they do not stand up for that, which ties in perfectly to the opening uh crawl of the film which reads um i mean it, it's it's just a short little poem but it 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 is the like the, the poetic bit so um it reads it is a restless moment she's kept her head lowered to give him a chance to come closer but he could not for lack of courage she turns and walks away That right there is the movie. They're both into it. They're both ready. And he lacks the courage. Or she misses her chance. And it's heartbreaking to watch the ending there. And being like, you're so close. You're literally next door. You are like on the cusp but you know that that's just me it's a different kind of love mm. and maybe that's a part of maybe that's the reason why i guess it just never resonated with me uh is the kind of the 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 turmoil between the two of them and like the the lack of kind of agency that they kind of uh or or, uh maybe not agency but urgency that they seem to have when it comes to the situation and yeah as like you say none of them really do anything about it and it's like a constant tease. It's a constant tease. And you see that visually. Um, even though, like, the things that they do together, they don't really do anything together. It's just kind of them talking and walking past each other. But, you know, with Wong Kar Wai, he, he plays with, obviously, in Fallen Angels as in here. But not as it's not as flashy uh, as it is in fallen angels but like you know his slow-mos oh yeah um because he utilizes that with that song that string string section plays mm. uh maybe like what four or five times that's a good and, amount just um, comes in out of nowhere and you know the, the visually though visually there's just so much tension between the two of them the looks that they give each other as they walk past each other when she's going to get noodles, right? In the alley. 
Um, yeah. And how it lingers on that light, that lamppost. And it's just like the oh my gosh, is that that right there? The I I mean, watching his films is a treat because I mean, Wong Kar Wai is a he has a masterful eye um, for framing and for Agreed. making these each shot like have such a uh, a weight to them. Um, nothing is wasted yeah. in his films. Nothing is wasted. There's not a single inch wasted when it comes to him composing these shots because he's he's yeah he's a master at that. That's like easily the best thing. This this film, as I'd say, it's probably his best looking film that I have seen. Yeah. And I, I gotta say, I mean, there's something about him here where it's just like he he also is able to incorporate us feeling like something just from where he places the camera. It's not like oh, we're we're watching these two characters have a conversation, like when they're in the room and they're hiding, um, which we'll probably have to summarize for just a second, but um he puts the camera in the closet. We can see the coats hanging in the top, like third or quarter of the frame all across. It's like, we're also being smuggled into the room, uh, unbeknownst to the landlords. And we're also having to keep quiet and not blow their cover. And I don't know, right there. It just felt like, Holy crap. We've been, used as a character we have just been snuck inside the room i just thought that 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 was an incredibly creative shot yeah yeah um but i gotta say though i mean it's in terms of like the film and what happens it's a very simple film in reality not much happens and that's kind of like core tenant of of these characters you don't do anything um but that isn't to say it's boring this film's not boring at all it's very uh enthralling it's it's not like you're gonna fall asleep um but i basically you know the plot is these two people their spouses are cheating so they're like, oh, let's do, we'll, we'll, we'll have an affair then, might as well, you know, so, um, do you think, do you think, oh, I doubt it, actually, never mind, I was gonna say, like, they're, they're in different places, like, if their spouses are cheating on their spouses, like, with each other. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so cruel and really funny. <laughs> that would be so I funny. Doubt. I doubt. I doubt because they go to different places for their business trips. Um, but also, it is interesting too. You never, we never get to see their spouses like head on. Oh yeah, I don't know if you notice that. We never get to see them. The closest we get to seeing them is that shot of Mr. Chow's wife 
when she's crying in the shower and you can mm-hmm. kind of see the reflection of her face and like the wall. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the closest mm-hmm. we get to see one of one of the spouses. Right. And I mean, it, it, it's like the peanuts. You never you don't see them. You can hear we hear them. Mm-hmm. A few times. And there's a really cool moment, like the rehearsal of Mrs. Chan confronting her husband about the affair. Yeah. Where Mr. Chow is playing her husband. And so we only see him from the back. So when I'm first think- watching this, I think that it's actually Mr. Chow. Because everything has led me to believe we're not going to actually see his face. So, until they say it's just a rehearsal and they pan around to show that it's him, I'm stuck believing that she's actually talking to her husband because of that very convention you mentioned. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't... mm, I lost my train of thought. Oh, well, I mean, I have something, Okay. if you're interested. I mean, this is, you know, not, this, uh, it kind of came to me while you were describing the spouses and the affair, but it does remind me, guess what, of a musical. (gasps) Are we surprised? Who's surprised? Not me. (laughs) <laughs> but it reminds me of Follies. Follies, 1971. Stephen Sondheim, go figure. Uh, brilliant, brilliant man. Uh, that show is... A... And here, here's the other reason why I thought of it. Uh, well, the show is centered around a reunion... Uh, for a parody of, like, the Ziegfeld Follies. And so, like, these, like, chorus girls from the 20s and 30s are coming back to the theater in, like, the late 40s when it's about to be demolished. And so it's centered around four uh, people, basically. Um, Sally, Ben, Phyllis, and Buddy. And these four... Sally and Buddy are married. Ben and Phyllis are married. And there's a moment where each of them wonder what it would be like had they been married to the other person. Had they swapped. Um, which is kind of what, it, what made me think of it a little bit. But also, it's incredibly staged. In the mood for love is. They are practicing or demonstrating how their spouses might have fallen in love and, and decided to cheat. They're real, there's a little bit of like time dilation. We go back and we go forth, and we're not sure whether this is just in the past or just in the present. If they're doing it over again, uh, we're experiencing the same conversation twice. This idea of, is the past gone? Is this era, you know, what do we remember correctly? 
which makes sense when we we reach Mr. Chow's, you know, secret. He's been carrying around his memories of the past for years, for like four years after the majority of events in the film. And Follies is a show about, you know, coming back to confront your past and, you know, either accepting who you were or, you know, learning to live with who you are now. I see. I see. Well, um... Ah, oh, doesn't work again. <laughs> I'm I my camera has not worked the entirety of this episode and I have been it's trying It's throwing me uh, off. It's throwing me off. I'm not going to lie. It's weird I, to not see your your face moving and you talking. It's weird. I will It I is, say, isn't it? I must say it is throwing me cuz I'm yeah, cuz I'm so used to seeing you. Oh, and seeing your face, and now, I... now I just see a red screen. <laughs> oh, jeez, it's okay. Oh, I see. I, I, am a problem solver. You see, uh, I'm a massive problem solver. Yes, you are. That you are. I'm a, I'm a genius. I'm brilliant. Here, mute yourself. I'm... Mute yourself on the, on the phone. I think I did. Did I not? No, I can hear you. Ah, oh, drat. Well, that's tragic. But we're doing, like, so good. There we go. I don't hear you on the phone. Spectacular. Alright, sorry for those uh, technical difficulties. Yeah, I couldn't collect my thoughts. That was really odd. Um, Alright, so... Back to In the Mood for Love. As I was saying earlier, uh, the film, again, I don't know what it was. It wasn't really clicking with me. Maybe it was because of the fact that I don't really resonate with their dilemma. Or it doesn't, I don't really feel any kind of connection to these characters in any sorts of any sort of way. Right? Because I, my favorite, one of my favorite films ever, and my favorite romance drama film, is Before Sunrise, which I've mentioned on the show before, several many a time. Richard Linklater featuring Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. Where that film is a very kind of idyllic, romantic, and kind of perfect world that is crafted between these two people as they just kind of explore uh, the city of Venice, or not Venice, um, Vienna together. Ooh. Uh, it just having conversations about life um, through different, different ways, and it's such a beautiful film. Um, and obviously, there's, it's a trilogy, so the first film takes place in their 20s, the 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 second one's in their 30s, and the third one's in their 40s. Um, as is with kind of a Linklater tradition, he 
he typically takes his actors on a, these long form projects that span decades. Um, because he's actually currently shooting a film. Um, uh, Merrily We Go to Hell, I think is what it is. I believe. But he's shooting it over the course of 20 years. Oh my god. So, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> I, I mean, I swear to you, that's Merrily We Roll Along. Another song. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be it. But there is a film, Merrily We Go to Hell. That is a, that is a film that I've heard of. I mean, Merrily We Go Along, Merrily we go along is 20 years of a composing duo. Starts at the end of their uh, lives and goes backwards um, to see them. It ends with them all friends and setting out to write this great musical. But the way it starts is, you know, like the composer is an egotist and famous and he doesn't talk to anybody. Ah, so yes, he's shooting that film currently. But anyways, Ooh. you know, I see I you know, I watch Before Sunrise and I'm like enraptured by uh the characters um the characters oh, like connection that they that they share together. And Oh, I can hear myself. Oh no. You gotta mute. You gotta mute. I did. There we go. Don't worry about it. Oh wait, wait. No, I can still hear me. Sounds like a skill issue. Is that? Oh, I have a solution. You know what the best thing is about in the move for love? Nobody dies. <laughs> That's the best news. Actually. But you know, that, I mean, I we I just I say that so we can avoid um, Tristan's catchphrase that is now c cooking on. You know, it's great. Two straight movies, no one's died. We're doing great. We're just All cruising. Right, I, I fixed the problem. Aha! All right. As I was saying, though, yes, before sunrise, um, that film. I really connect with the characters and what they kind of experience in that film. Um, and so I guess, you know, obviously there's that personal element when it comes to watching uh, movies. You know, your favorite movies tend to be the ones that you kind of feel uh, most gravitated towards in terms of like whatever the characters may, going through, may be going through in the movie or the themes or whatever, the setting. Um, whatever it may be. And in this case, in the mood for love, I don't, I don't know. I can't get past the fact that I'm not really kind of understanding the dilemma that these two are going through. Cause I mean, I can see the loneliness and I know that's a theme that Wong Karwai 
likes to use likes to play with i mean in all three of the films that i've seen that's kind of the major theme in his works uh, is loneliness isolation and i definitely see that and it's kind of there and it will always be there um but like i'm not convinced i don't feel convinced by their love for each other Mm. You know, and I don't know if that's the writing. I don't know if that's the acting, the direction. I'm not sure what aspect of it it is. But See, I don't know. I don't really feel like I don't feel anything between the two. And I'm I'm no I know I'm in the minority with that opinion. Yeah. Please don't crucify me. Um, oh. I really want to love this film. Trust me. I want to watch this and be like, oh my gosh, one car white, you are a, you are a God. Um, but fortunately I don't really have that takeaway when watching. This. I mean, is it just that you don't believe their love for each other or is it something about more of the, um, thematic piece maybe it's i mean maybe it's heck i mean we can get deep this episode i mean maybe it's a, just a personal strategy like i live i live in a sea of fear and regret and therefore watching all these missed chances and missed opportunities and you know things that mr mr chow was beating himself up for for years in the future that that hits for me that that makes sense for me <laughs> Like, I'm like, oh, it's just more regret, more sadness piled on top of old memories. I mean, I don't know if that's, I don't know if you are that type of person, but I think having that, you know, personal relationship with past, I, th I think it can absolutely affect how you see different works, or at least what works you like more than others. I mean, most certainly I, I definitely agree with that. I think one's experience in their life will kind of shape the way that they see certain films. That's true. We all have our own, um, biases kind of baked in each other or baked, baked in ourselves. I'd say, um, but me, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe, Maybe that is the reason why I don't really kind of connect with this film all too much. It's because I don't really feel the way that Mr. Chow feels in this in this work. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you mean by that? Like, I don't necessarily have regrets about anything I did or didn't oh. do in the past. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Like, especially in the romantic context, like in the context strictly of this film, there hasn't been anything that's happened in the past that I regret not doing anything about. Because, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm very happy where I am now in my love life. So, Valid. that's fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I guess that's probably why I don't really am like in love with this film. Um, 
it may and it may be it may be also I'm just too young like to really mm-hmm. kind of understand um these characters experience you know what I mean yeah um because it's certainly like something that someone in their in, in the middle of their life would kind of think about and reminisce about and have uh, deep sadness thinking about what what ifs you know what if this could happen what if i did this what if i did that you know what i mean but yeah to I do. me you know i don't necessarily think about like those sorts of things um because again i don't really yeah i don't really feel like i'm i missed out on any gotcha yeah. Now, do you mind if I ask you another question? Yeah, go ahead. Are you at least by the end of the film rooting for the two to get together? I I would say so. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I think yeah, right. definitely. I would. Yeah, I am. Um because I I I do feel some sort of pain when it comes to their their dilemma mm-hmm. you know obviously they're both in a they're both in a marriage they're both married so they can't just go out and say oh i want to break up with you you know obviously that's a more involved process and i don't know how that works in hong kong in the 60s i don't know if divorce is like some easy thing you can do uh, i'm not sure valid but Let's just assume that it isn't. Yeah. I think we have to. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, I can understand why they're hesitant about professing their feelings to each other, like, explicitly. Because they both, in, in their body language and the the looks that they give each other... They're increasing, um, they're increasingly more comfortable. The the they get more comfortable with each other as the film progresses. So much so to the fact that they're pretending to be each other's spouses, as we mentioned already. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like playing out these fake scenarios that we never see. Um. Because well, one they never even happen, uh, and when the time in Hong Kong is over and it transitions into um, Mr. Chow going to Singapore, and then years later they they come back to Hong Kong, and then and then he goes to. Uh, Cambodia but like that scene but those those like that final yeah that final like whatever how long that is 20-30 minutes is heartbreaking especially the shot when Mr. Chow is in Hong Kong he's giving well he expected to see his old like uh, roommate I guess landlord host landlord landlord host whatever he wasn't there he had moved by that time and then he he walks in front of the door of the neighbor's home 
or apartment. It just stands there. And I'm like, dude, she's right there. Knock, knock, knock. She's in there. She's in there. Knock, knock on the door. What are you doing? Yep. (laughs) He doesn't knock. He doesn't knock. (laughs) And I'm just like, no, what are you doing, bro? You're fumbling the bag. (laughs) It's such a huge thing because it it ties back into the lack of courage from the opening scroll and it's also like i don't know if there's doubt in his mind like the 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 new person in the in his old apartment says you know it's a woman and her kid now where'd the kid come from if he if he doesn't know about the child, which I think is very, very likely, uh, because it'll probably be her husband's kid, and she's chosen to ignore the fact that he's had an affair, then he has no reason to suspect that it would be her. But still, you, you maybe you'd knock, maybe you'd try and figure it out. Oh, I was looking for my friend who used to live here a long time ago. But, you know, there, I mean, there's another interesting possibility, like, what if it's his? And he knows about the child. And then he's like, oh, no, responsibility, it's too great. Which (laughs) makes him a little bit more of a shrimp. A little bit more of a um, unable to face facts and reality. I mean, but it had been... Three years. It would have made... made, Yeah, I guess time-wise, it could be his kid. Because the kid is, what, like, four, three? Gotta be, like, three. Like young, young child, yeah. like a toddler, toddler. But yeah, you know, he, they said some woman and her kid. And they cut inside, and I saw her, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And then they they come back to the shot of the hallway with him no longer there. That I mean, oh, that's crazy! Like that close, they missed each other by that much. And it's accentuated too with the shots again of them in the slow mo when they pass each other by, you know, either in the hallway, the stairwell, or when she's mm. going to get noodles. Mm. Like those moments, those those moments of when they they just walk past each other. Oh they my glance, god! They glance back at each other. It's like oh, oh. That spark, that spark is there, and then no more. It happens no more. It's a that era has passed. Film eloquently puts it. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, it's yeah. that's tragic, truly tragic. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, so it's not so much a it's not that it doesn't work it's just that it takes some time in getting to the point that really hits I suppose I suppose so but also too I mean when the majority of the film we're watching them together uh I guess I don't know. I guess for me, it kind of a little drags on, drags on a little bit. Yeah. Even though I the film itself is not that long, it's only an hour and a half. It's not yeah. even that long. Um, You're right. 
but again, I think I I think what it comes down to is just me not being fully immersed and involved with their their feelings and their connection that they have with each other. Like I don't really feel it as I do with um Jesse and Celine in bef- the before trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that's kind of what it comes down to. Cause I, I like on a technical level, I mean on a technical level, this film is like perfect. I mean this 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 film is incredible. Incredibly well crafted. Um Literally Maybe. everything about it, like just the way it looks, the editing, directing, all that stuff is great. I mean, yeah, uh, and a lot of people agree with you on that. And I mean, Sight and Sounds, the greatest films of all time, and uh, I know you're you you keep track of that. Yeah. Uh, twenty twenty two when the list came out, it was fifth on greatest films of all time. It is also the highest ranked film released between 1975 and last year. Which. Oh, oh, oh. Impressive. Because, uh, yeah, number one's John Dealman. Uh, 23. Whatever they <laughs> John Dealman. Yeah. I actually have that. I, I, I own that film, but I haven't seen it yet. Because it's basically three hours of a woman doing house chores. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah, I do want to watch but, it one of these days. Though. But yeah, gotta, that was. I just gotta sorry. drink some like nitro cold brew shots before I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the most. It's the highest modern film on the list. 75, 58, 41, 53, and then In the Mood for Love. Mm. But, um, yeah, again, I, like, I, dude, I, I wanna, I wanna love this. And same with Chunking Express. Like, cause, I mean, Wong Kar Wai is a filmmaker. His, his vision is so entrancing, and it's so, there's such a lull to it when you've watched his works, like, you're just kind of hypnotized. Oh, yeah. With his, uh, with his, you know, his flair and his style. Just like, oh, dude. I could watch his images all day. It's so... mesmerizing. Especially when he plays with, with the slow motion and all these effects effects but like these editing techniques there's something so cool about it yeah but I I think for me yeah Fallen Angels is the one for me I agree I agree I mean so far I I haven't seen Jennifer's Press that one you probably would like too that one Probably. Probably. I'll, I'll have to, you know, submit my full ranking of Wong Kar Wai films uh, when we uh, 
when I get there. Yeah, which is, he is quite a bit. Quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're accelerating the top of my list again. I w- I've been looking forward to this episode for months now. <laughs> I know, because we, we, we put this as number f- to be our 50th like a while ago. Long was... time ago. 50th episode. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we put out, um, we put out Fallen Angels back in April. That was April we did that? It was April. Did that in April? Oh, yeah. My lord, that's insane. (laughs) It's crazy. Wild. Wild. Days of being wild. That's another one car Y film. We just name dropping now. <laughs> I mean, dang. Um, I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, also, too, I love the that. Is it a Nat King Cole song? Two of them. Yeah. The the one that plays at the like in the. Like the late la- the late stages of the film, I think that's he- it's yeah. I think it's called Kizas Kizas Kizas. Yeah, that song is beautiful. Oh my god, it just matches so perfectly well with the vibe and tone of this film. Kizas Kizas Kizas. Such a perfect song choice from uh, Wong Wong Kar Wai there. I mean, well, okay. What was the deal with the um the bit at the end, like with, like the politic, the polit political history there? What was the deal with that? What did you have anything to say about that? I mean, that was just that kind of like was jarring for me. I think it just reflects the need for everybody to move out of Hong Kong, and why everyone would move out of Hong Kong, because everybody, even in '62, when the film's events start everyone's already talking about moving and going away and getting out going to singapore taking a boat taking a plane getting away i mean i i connect that as this is the point where everyone who wanted out got out because times are changing this is the the moment of like pressure and gotta go that's why neither of the old landlords are still there. I mean, yeah. it's more dangerous. It's more sketchy. There's more opportunity awaiting outside of Hong Kong than in it. It's sort of like the end of Fiddler on the Roof. Like, you're not going to die if you stay where you are. But there's no chance of you living a happy or healthy life if you stay. Right. I mean, I, I, I just see it as that moment of here's what's, that, here's what's going on. Here's why everybody's leaving. Okay, I see. I mean, you're right. It kind of threw me off, too. It comes out of nowhere. And the, um, I'll be honest, 
the soundtrack kind of comes out of nowhere too. It it, it jump scares me a little bit because we'll be in this <laughs> nice tender moment with no underscoring and it's silent and we're just watching the people be, and then strings, or <laughs> and then that King Cole. I mean, it just comes out of nowhere, and I have no idea what's happening. But I mean, I, I like I like though that he used it in these very specific instances. He didn't kind of just throw it there. True. You know. Yeah. Yeah. He continues to tell the story as like a waltz, kind of. Um. Behind, while the music is playing, as opposed to, to having it be through dialogue, which I mean, I I, I like how the the voice and the music never overlap. There's not really any overlap between the two. Yes, yes, and I like I like that type of filmmaking where there isn't any music when characters are speaking. Because it tends to be a little, it can be overbearing sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's it's necessary. Um, and it like adds to the adds to the the tone of the scene. But in this instance, I think the fact that he waits to use music, moments of transition and, and silence, is is uh. Brilliant. Agreed. Because a lot of, I mean, a lot of these, um, I mean, I could be talking, like, I could be tripping balls right now, but it's, I, I, off the top of my head, off the top of my <laughs> head, a lot of these foreign filmmakers don't really use music too much. Like, they just kind of use it when... to... Not, not really not really use it when there's characters talking. Again, I could be... Honestly? Tripping, but I don't I know. I, I think I'm right. I think you're right, too, generally, in the most cases. I mean... Soy Kuba does not feature a lot of underscoring, if any. Um, Andre Rublev, not 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 that much. Um, and no, I mean, if we... has no music. Exactly. I mean, besides the ones that are played by the characters, yeah. which is normal. Um, the uh, I mean, if we want to go recent, twenty twenty one, drive my car. Music is used in transitional periods in the car when when there's driving happening and no conversation. When there's conversation, it's like all the wind gets sucked out of the room and you're glued to what, what is being said. You don't need anything to, you know, keep you focused on the screen. Yeah. I love that movie so much. <laughs> yeah, and I think that it's it doesn't it doesn't the fact that there is no music when there is dialogue happening. Like, isn't that so kind of peaceful to hear? Because it forces you to actually listen to what they're saying. Yes. Without and having I mean, to I, 
yeah. accompanying piece there to do whatever it does. I think sometimes it depends on the style of the piece. I mean, if it's more poetic, it's... definitely let it sit. But yes, it, it, I mean, if it's a conversation, if it's a story, but like if it's two people go, hey, you want to go out to get coffee? I mean, you can underscore that. Yeah, yeah if it's no, not super important, but if it's not super important, I'll put some underscoring under that. But the thing is, Wong Kar Wai is so efficient that everything is important, yeah. and therefore <laughs> doesn't need it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, not to say that every film that that utilizes that technique is bad. Literally, there's a whole host of films that I love that literally underscore dialogue. Most recent example, most recent example being The Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, there's a ton of music playing in that film. Yeah. Although, that's not necessarily score. It's mostly soundtrack music. But still. Yeah. But yes. I, this is the one that that we'll keep we'll keep keep an eye on. Yeah, you know, I'll rewatch it. Say a couple years when GTA Five, GTA Six comes out, <laughs> and uh, I'll be like, okay, now's my cue. Got to rewatch it. Mood for love. See, I like it. Now. Uh, <laughs> did you watch the trailer for what GTA Six? No. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, you don't really care. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself a gamer. Ah, okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm I'm yeah. learning Mario Kart right now. <laughs> <laughs> learning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you should watch it just to see the technical and technical achievement Rockstar is being is able is able to pull off in terms of like the graphical fidelity stuff like that. But anyways, yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping one of these days later in my life I rewatch this. I put this back, back. I put it back on the TV, and I'm okay. I get it. And who knows? Yeah. It might never happen. But here's to hoping. Very nice. I mean, I I I agree with you. I think this always warrants a rewatch. A lot of things were warranted to rewatch. As I approach time to do so, that's going to be the uh, one of my goals. Yes. I got to find three hours to chunk out and rewatch a Yee Yee. Oh, for the that's, year endless? I mean, kind of. Because, like, I, I didn't give it that much of a shot earlier on. I mean, I respect it, but, like, it, it was three hours of people being people and i was like i okay i didn't expect that <laughs> yeah i remember but, we talked about that on the show yeah oh yeah oh yeah but you know <laughs> um hey, it's but yeah i mean speaking of music though you want me to go for it i'll go for it all right. Speaking of music, this is the part where you, dear listener, come into play. 
as again part of our celebration for episode 50 and all that good stuff um we've got a little game for you for my variety segment which is uh, here entitled today where's that music coming from in which in moments of silence and uh, other spots during the recording of this episode i have slipped in uh a little bit of um Yumeji's theme from Shigeru Umabayashi, whom, if you've watched In the Mood for Love, you'll recognize the piece immediately. Now, your goal is to message us on Instagram, either comment under the post for the episode, or message us directly. Um, that's odyssey.of.cinema on Instagram. But if you do that, and you get the number correct, you have to tell us how many times... We have played that audio clip over the course of the episode. And if you get it right, you get to choose what film we discuss for our 55th episode that will ideally be airing on January 10th. So, you know, the ball is in your court. You get to choose. You've got the power within you. I believe in you. You can do it. But it's not going to be easy. I say prior to editing this and deciding <laughs> at 1 a.m. whether or not that this is a good idea. <laughs> is there going to be one? Who knows? You've got to listen to the end to find out. <laughs> I, I, I am many things. Cruel is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> yes, you guys will have to find out. You're, you'll have to find out. You'll have to find out. I mean, the loyal, the loyal listeners. Obviously, I'm. You guys listen to the whole thing, so you'll know. You'll know. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it's a test. It's a test. Have you seen the film? You may have listened to us, but have you watched the film? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so. But, yeah, that is, that is, uh, where's that music coming from? The ball is in your court now, dear listener. Yeah. It's up to you. Let's know. Let's know. But, Tristan, it is time for your segment. Yes, who had I'm the excited. best drip? Who had the best drip? Mm. I think it's easy. I honestly think it's very easy. I mean, it... God. I mean, it really is. Yeah. I agree. Should we say it at the same time? Yes. I'm, I think I'm going to say who I think you're going to say. All right. Ready? One, two, three, Mr. Chow. Mr. Oh, I, Mrs. Chow. Or Mrs. Mrs. Chan. Cha? Chan. Mrs. Chan, yes. Mrs. Chan. See, I think you're right. I thought you were going to say Mr. Chow. I think you're uh, right. No, no, no. Mrs. Chan. No, Mrs. Chan has the. She's got the drip. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I mean. The 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 florals, 
the 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 gray pant the like I don't know if that's a dress or a, it's a dress, not a pantsuit, but yeah, it's it's the same dress. It's just different patterns. It, it's and, the same and, type of dress over and over and over again, but it's different pattern colors. And there's it's so good. They're it's so such a good dress. They, yeah, they're so clean. It's beautiful. I think, I think my favorite one is got to be the the beige one with like the red lines, the like the the burgundy lines. Oh, fast, fast forward to like minute forty five, forty six. You'll see. What oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, gosh, see, I could really go for a few minutes before that. Um, I believe it's around 38, the, um, the swirls, red, blue, green swirls. I love that. I mean, it kind of just reminds me of like a rug my grandma has, but like, it's, it's a great pattern. And it fits so well because it's kind of like the inside of the apartment has that like mid-century modern uh-huh. for Hong Kong. And yeah. so it, it so totally fits. Yeah. It's clean. I mean, it gets more mid, mid-century mid modern when she moves in. Like oh, after she decorates the apartment. Like... Her 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 decorative touch is very like I mean we only see it for like a split second, but that split second it's a very nice looking. You're darn right it is. But yes, she's got the best drip. Even though, I mean, again, she's wearing the same thing over and over again. Although, you, I mean, you could literally say the same thing Mr. Chow because he's wearing a suit the entire time. Yeah, it's true. Same tie, suits. I think. No, different ties. He's wearing different Lame. Yeah, he Who changes different. their ties? Although, I mean, I really love the skinny tie. The 60s, mm. the skinny tie. I love the skinny. 100%. It's making a comeback, too. The skinny ties are the best ties. Don't at me. Like, those... They just look the best. And there's there's no other way uh, to put it. I'm with you. With the clip, too? With the clip? Ooh. Yes. Pristine. I'm telling you, pristine. Ooh. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, she's got the best drip. Absolutely. And I think that will do it for us on episode number 50 of the Cinematic Odyssey. That's correct. We done did it. Right. Big 5-0. Big celebration. On to number 100. Woo! Uh, 
yeah thank you again thank you everybody for listening um these are the best seriously for all our loyal fans out there tune in every week thank you guys for your support listen really means a lot um and you know obviously at least for me when i wanted to start this the ultimate goal was for the people that listen to the show um learn more about film and more about the art form and the great cinema that is out there easily accessible to everybody um that you know, us Americans don't typically know about uh, because we're kind of inundated with uh, the MCU or your remake, your once every, your annual remake franchise from like the 80s or whatever. Um, or your sequel to some over bloated franchise that way overdone. I'm looking at you, Fast and the Furious. Uh, <laughs> you know all these all these films that are not good that don't contribute anything to society except for being turn your brain off um, movies, which you know they're fun to watch. Like like I said, I enjoy my Michael Bay Transformers movies like the yeah. rest of us. You did, however. Say that. I'm I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that they're good. They're trash. They don't. There, there's nothing <laughs> redeemable about them other than the fact that I get to see Transformers fight each other, which is always fun to watch. I mean, come on, can't complain about that. Um. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so you know, there's there's a time and place for that stuff. There's a time and place for that sort of stuff. But. Again, all seriousness and all seriousness. You know, I've hope I hope after fifty episodes you know, I've introduced we've introduced a great film uh to you, to you all that have listened, and to you, Max, as well, because I know there's been a lot of things that you haven't seen before and never heard of. Oh absolutely. Uh introduced you to. And, uh, I mean Majority of the time, you don't typically like it, but that's okay. <laughs> what do you mean, majority I'm of the kidding. time? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I'm joking. Um, but yeah, it's been a pleasure to do this and to continue to do it for another another year. Uh, so open for a, a great, successful year two of the Cinematic Odyssey. Indeed. Thank you. Uh, with that, yeah. Were you gonna say something? No. Um, but with that said, again, um, yeah. If you guys have any other, any suggestions, you know, for us to kind of employ to make our show better, let us know. Um, don't be too harsh, though. Don't hurt our. We don't want our fifis hurt. um and again obviously it goes without saying if you guys want to come on to the show and be a guest everyone's always welcome and uh as far as our schedule upcoming coming up 
we do have well the 55th episode which will be selected by one of you lucky lucky person that one lucky person like that guesses how many times you hear that song um it could be i don't know how many it would be I, i'm not sure that's up to Max to decide. <laughs> um, but yes, aside from that, obviously our Christmas episode and our year in review uh, that will be coming up uh, towards the end of this this month. Uh, so look forward to those. But aside from that, we got to decide, you know, our regularly scheduled programming. But once we do, we'll post that on the on the Instagram. And uh, we'll also talk about it also on the show when we record our next episode. Um, but yes, thank you for listening. Uh, Max, do you have anything to add for the people out there? Oh, thank you for listening. That's really the big thing. I appreciate it greatly. Yes. So it's a pleasure. It's an honor. And uh, yeah. Um, this has been the in, Mo- in the mood for love. One car, why? Cinematic Odyssey forever.